church said with me. Amen, amen and amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And uh, I'm going to invite some wonderful, not old, but older friends who I knew before. That's what I mean. Uh, we're going to have uh, uh, Curtis and, and Abby Snook. Now, some of you guys are new here, so you wouldn't know these guys, but they actually were the worship leaders before I came here, and they're amazing musicians, and it's so good to have them. Welcome. How's that? Good. All right. Wow, it's wonderful to see you in worship here. Oh, I see so many familiar faces. Anyway, um, I was excited to see what Dennis was going to talk about today because, you know, he's talking about the spiritual gifts. And I sort of think our story helps kind of give you just one example of what that might look like, you know, as you approach, you know, figuring out your gifts and going out with them and doing something. So, uh, we've, we were here in Marymount, uh, and uh, our kids were all born here. Uh, but we went to Iceland with the Navigators for seven years until 2002, and then we were here, and then we went to Dartmouth to lead the, the collegiate ministry there for, for three years, and then we went over to Iceland again. But this phase in Iceland is sort of coming, I think we'll be coming to a close in, within the next year, but we were really hoping to see God help us transfer to the Icelanders, you know, the kind of the DNA to share their faith with others because they were huddlers the last time we were there, and we're really seeing God do that. You know, it's sort of weird because, I mean, we've been there for 12 years now. We see the stuff coming that we were hoping for, and then we're talking about leaving. But you know what? I, I have faith that they're going to keep going then, and I didn't have that faith the last time we were there. It just kind of ached, and we wanted to go back. But anyway, I want to hold myself to time pretty well because I know things are tight, and there's so much good stuff today. I don't know if we could have the slides up there because I didn't have any notes printed out. So, All right. Oh, look at this. Check this out. This was a bucket list thing. We, this was taken by me on my phone. So, you know, and if you can even hear the noise of this. It's just, you want, you want to experience the power of God? This is it. It doesn't get much more than that. Okay, well, so when you talk about gifting, you know, I kind of list them. Some of them come right out of the Bible and in, in the vocabulary that you see there, but, but I think God is more flexible than that, and, you know, there's gifting of different kinds. So, um, so why don't you go ahead to the next slide there. Um, so basically, uh, I came to Christ in college, and I went to medical school, and that was when a guy named Andy Hunt uh, met me indirectly, and I got involved in the Navigators. Um, and so I really was passionate for the Lord, and I was going to leave medical school. I was all ready to go, but I, the Holy Spirit kept me there. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd have the experience of going to collegiate NAV meetings and have the workshop leader say, well, you're in medicine? Golly, the only... Uh, the only ministry you'll ever have is financial, and that was just awful for me to hear. But I knew that God didn't want us to want me to leave medicine, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And finally, I ran across a guy in the Navigators named Skip Gray, who had a medical ministry, a ministry to medical docs, and he said, "You know, docs don't listen to other people, but docs." And that was the first little light that went in my head that you know something was special about being a doc as a platform for ministry, as a vocation for ministry. Anyway, then uh, I met Abby, a physical therapist who was training there at the same time, and we got married, so it was clear that God had our, you know, a vocation for us of being married. You know, that's a vocation for ministry. She's not, you know, an aid to help me do God's work. We are vocationally married in ministry together, and so, you know, unless we're doing this well, <laughs> that ain't gonna go very well. And, you know, you got, that's important. Anyway, and then... Um, yeah, so then we ended up going, we went to Cincinnati for my medical training, and they uh, transferred, Andy Hunt transferred over to the Shell Houses, who are here today. Where are they? There, there's Jill. So anyway, they were, we moved across the street from them, and they were teaching us how to, you know, we started having kids, and they were teaching us how that, what that looks like, and taught us how, you know, uh, Kent had me praying for one guy that I could share my life with, and I met Chris Smith, and Abby met Ellen Smith, who's all here, who's also a physical therapist, and so we sort of teamed up with them, and then it became like men's and women's Bible studies, and eventually, around 95, it became evangelical, 
um, you know, Bible studies, you know, your home, the lighthouse. And, and it was kind of cool because you learned how to figure out what your spiritual gifts were and use them in a complimentary fashion. You know, so there were inviters, there were hosts, there were people who led the Bible study, and we learned kind of what that could look like. And, you know, some people came to Christ. We lived right near here in Marymount, and we were just hosting, you know. And I'll tell you, you know, the Word of God is very powerful, but chocolate chip cookies are too, just, just so you know. Pizza also is another devastating tool in the kingdom of God. But anyway... I was training with an Icelander, and uh, he was an emergency uh, physician, and he went back to Iceland, and we kind of kept in touch with him because he came to Christ through Jerry Kirk's church, you know, uh, up in, uh, where yeah, yeah, College Hill. And so anyway, he went back, and he was trying to start the specialty, and it was hard for him to do as one guy. So it was kind of this joke that I would go over and join him, and then I just lost my job. I mean, God pulled my job right out from under me. So I was like, okay, we better go with a plane because I don't like traveling in a whale myself. You know, I can't, can't get a seat assignment or anything, you know. So anyway, so, so uh, yeah, so God really laid on our hearts Isaiah 55, 5. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not shall run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And so really through the navigators, we were learning to, you know, I mean, not every verse is meant for me, I know, but, but sometimes God lays a verse on your heart and he really speaks to you. And that's kind of a Holy Spirit thing too, to know whether that verse is talking to you or not. Uh, anyway, but, but uh, all right. So then off we went to Iceland and we were there for seven years and we came back and our, and our kids, we were all here and, uh, then it was sort of worship leading. You know, it was a difficult time for the church. This was before Dennis was here. So after we lost our previous pastor and before Dennis came, that was a really painful time in this church. I don't know if anybody's here who kind of remembers that, but it was so painful, you know, that you really, if you were doing worship leading here, then, you know, your ego just had to check out because there was no way to really enjoy it from an ego point of view. So I really felt like that was a time where Jesus kind of taught us how to be involved in worshiping, what that means to call people into worship and kind of get out of the way, you know, and that kind of stuff. Anyway, then uh, we went to um, Dartmouth kind of to really try to, I was under a lot of stress here working really hard, and I got a job that was a little less stressful, and uh, so we went there, and we were doing collegiate ministry for about three years, uh, and then we went, went to Iceland, so that's where we've been. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, now it's sort of like, a, yeah, it's an open-handed approach. You know, we, were, we, were, we went back with no pre-design, like we're going to go to this organization that we were with before, like the YMCA there, or, you know, we're just going to find whoever wants to see people be able to share with others their faith, and we're going to hook up with those people. So that, that led us to a Pentecostal church there, where we still are, and they have two great pastors there, preach the Word of God, and um, and we finally, you know, we fumbled around trying different things, and we finally ended up with a home group, and, uh, and then it was kind of almost dwindling out, and then there were, came a couple guys in the group from, uh, who had, had come to Christ through Alpha, you know, an Alpha course, and one of them wanted to have a ministry in a jail, and there was another, then there was a women's group that was kind of dwindling out, and we had almost no women in our group, and they wanted to join our group, we said, oh yeah, that's great, you know, they joined our group, and one of them was really kind of excited to share her faith with others, and now the DNA of the group has kind of changed, and um, so most recently, one of the other guys who came to Christ through the Alpha group, his, he, his, he had been separated from his wife, and because of his faith and because of the Word of God, you know, they'd, she'd kind of seen some changes in him. And so they got back together, and then she was still into all kinds of New Age stuff. She was doing Native American this, and I don't know, all kinds of really fruity-tooty stuff. And then, you know, but she was so intrigued by how he had changed, and she knew of us, you know, she was, he was in our group, but she wasn't. And eventually, this spring, she came to Christ, you know, and she was reading the Bible because Oscar was, was such a test, you know, gave such a great testimony through his life. And so she came to Christ, and she asked two of the women in our group to baptize her. So we'll show you some pictures. But, you know, she got baptized in her family's, uh, near her family's country house. And so anyway, so that's kind of what's happening. Anyway, I think that's enough. Um, and I'll let Abby just... Yeah, I'm just going to put some faces. Maybe you've been, uh, we actually share our newsletter with uh, the church monthly, and so hopefully they'll put a few faces to the names that we throw out. But um, um, if you could go, uh, yeah, so this is actually, no, 
where you were. This is Daniel, and Daniel is the one who's interested in prison ministry. He was actually in prison himself and came to the Lord through an Alpha course. So has a real heart for fellows that are struggling with that. And so he has moved out from our group, but is now leading a group on his own. And there's Oscar in the back. Yeah, the Oscar's husband. in the best, yeah. And go ahead to the next one. Uh, this is a couple members of our group. This is Una on the left and Helki on the right. Uh, keep going, yeah. And then this is Oscar and his wife, Solveig, that came to Christ. And this was outside their summer house in, out in the countryside, and she wanted to be baptized. And so the two women from our group, Anna and um, Fiola, ended up baptizing her in this water there. And we celebrated with them. And this is actually Andy and Patty Hunt. This is sort of a, the full circle, because they were the first ones who discipled us back in New York. And here they were in Iceland with the people that. So, I mean, that is such a, a dear moment for us, for sure. Um, and then I also meet with some women, it's, uh, the navigators, if you're not as familiar with them, uh, they do a lot of one-on-one -on -one, uh, working with women and, and men working with men. And, and so uh, these are the two women I meet with regularly. The one on the left is Fiola, who's Icelandic. And, uh, and then the other one is Becca. She's actually an American, but uh, she's asked me to mentor her. And so we've been meeting with for a long time and going on fun trips together. And, and every, I'm sort of their second mom. So I've... That's the role God has given me, I think, in life, is a lot of second moms <laughs> to a lot of people. So anyway, it's been a real blessing. Um, and then we That's always okay. cherish your prayers for our family um, and, uh, and for us. So thank you for those who are so diligent in praying for us. Anyway, we're running over a little bit, but <laughs> I wanted to give you a little bit of a taste to worship with your Icelandic brothers and sisters. So we're going to do one, you'll hear one verse and one chorus of a song in Icelandic, and then I hope you'll sing the English one right after that, and then we'll let Dennis get up and talk, because I can't wait to hear it. So... <laughs>
Curtis and Abby, that was beautiful. Thank you. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a treat. Uh, so good to be with you. And thank you for leading us in worship this morning with Paul and the team. Uh, welcome, everyone. And those of you who are uh, worshiping with us online, we're glad you're with us this morning. Uh, this is uh, a special mor morning with uh, visitors uh, from Iceland, friends. Uh, we have uh, the, the honor, actually, of being a congregation that has involvement with uh, about 18, 19 ministry partners that are laboring in the city, laboring around the country, and laboring around the world. And so we, we have this rich privilege of uh, being uh, an international congregation um, and a congregation that encourages uh, those to go. And uh, recently, we've had um, Bella Taylor uh, commit herself to a life of international mission. Um, so she's uh, just getting ready to uh, finish high school and get into college, but that's her next step. We don't know yet where that's going to be, but this is part of why we're here, to bring the gospel uh, to our neighbors, and we have been blessed in order to be a blessing and to bring uh, the gospel around the corner of our neighborhoods and around the world. And as I was preparing for today, I had a strong sense the Lord was saying that, you know, the day of the big church that says, hey, come here, is, is over. And the day of the church being the church and going out into the community, that's what, the, that's what I sense the king is saying now uh, to us. And therefore, as we think about the glory of God, as we think about what we've been doing in worship right now, we start to recognize that God is calling us uh, outward. And he has prepared us through Yes, is it important to gather for worship? Absolutely, because we are being fueled by the love and the presence of God, but he wants us to be those that go out and carry that out uh, to those around us. And I love how Jamie described, and you just experienced it with that song and with this story of Curtis and Abby, that when we walk in our spiritual gifts, we actually become a manifestation of God himself to the people that we're around. And we saw that uh, this morning as Curtis and Abby shared. I saw a video of Scott Hobart uh, giving a talk to the dental community in Orlando and the very same thing was happening. The presence of God as he was sharing his faith, the presence of God comes into every place every place where we go because we carry the kingdom. And so our series called Gifted and Going For It is about that. It's about uh, recognizing the Father's love for us, the Father's generosity to us to give us these gifts and then for us to uh, pursue the way of love and to eagerly desire spiritual gifts even specifically that you may prophesy so that we can be part of that team that is going out. And this is the, this is the shift that is underway, I believe now, as the Lord is taking uh, his church and equipping and charging us to go out and bring the kingdom out. So the goals of this series, I, I'm not going to recap them in detail, but uh, Jamie's first couple of messages have been absolutely right on, so strong, to remind us that there's a, there's a detailed biblical foundation for what we are doing and seeing and seeking right now, that there is a motive of love, that the entire process of moving outward is a motive of love, that bringing of the glory of God to others around us uh, to be uh, a, a church where everyone 
is in action. Everyone gets to play because a spiritual gift has been given to each one of us. Each of us has at least one spiritual gift that is designed for the benefit of others. And I, I just want to say how encouraging it has been to see the hunger in our church, the hunger to see God do more and that we can glorify him and advance his kingdom uh, here. So uh, that's what we're trying to do. And, and before uh, uh, today, uh, we're going to look at uh, three gifts that exemplify the power of God, the way of love, and, and I'll say the God of the impossible. God has been reminding me all week that he is the God of the impossible. Uh, there's nothing beyond the power of his right arm. Nothing. And so uh, today we're going to look at faith, healing, and miracles from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. And here's what I am all about this morning. Here's why this message matters. Here's why you um, are here this morning. And this is what I'm trying to do. I come from New Brunswick in Canada. We have a, a number of things that are really unique about uh, our, our, little, our little neck of the world. But one of the things we have that's super unique is that we have the largest tidal shifts in the world. They occur in the Bay of Fundy in New Brunswick. You can look this up. But the tides average about 55 feet. That means the water level rises and falls 55 feet twice a day, every day, all year. And what I'm here this morning is that you would experience what I've experienced this week is a rise in your faith. I want your hearts to rise in faith in the presence of this incredible, glorious God we've been worshiping in light of the story you've just heard of two lives transformed and sent for the transforming of others to rise in faith. And uh, so this morning I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, go after 1 Corinthians 12, 9 and, uh, 9 and 10. And let me just read the whole passage. But before I do that, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. Let me start with another passage. Can you just go back two slides to the, to the passage in John? Because before Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians, Jesus spoke to his disciples on the night before he was betrayed, and he says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son." You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, this should be ramping your faith through the roof right now. Through the roof. Because what, watch what he's saying. He's saying that in some way, we are going to do greater things than the things he's been doing. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to be raising people from the dead. But he meant this. He meant that in some way, we will do greater things than him. I, I don't know how to express that. One, we're going to be greater than him because he was one person in one place at one time. Now he has billions around the world, and that you is plural. He has billions around the world who are walking with him and bringing the message of the gospel, praying for people, seeing people healed. Right now, Samuel Danturi is with a whole village of young people in Nigeria and he is equipping them to bring the gospel uh, to uh, their communities in northwest Nigeria. That's happening right now. Pray for that as we go through this message. But he's also saying uh, this is going to be possible because I'm going to the Father. Well, earlier in the Gospel of John, the key to that was that they didn't fully have the Holy Spirit yet until he was glorified, until he went to the Father. Then he poured out the Holy Spirit. So there's another thing that was happening is that millions of people have access now to the Holy Spirit as we 
invite them to follow Jesus, then this miracle of the Holy Spirit happens. But he's telling us, whatever you ask in my name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You can ask me for anything in my name. Meaning, anything according to my character, anything according to my word, anything according to my purposes, and it will be done for you. Church, we've got to believe this. This is absolute gospel truth. This is what he has said and what he is about doing. So let's read the text again. Jamie read it last week. I'm going to zero in on verse 9 and 10, but let's read it together. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. The very words of God, the very promises of God, the very order of God, the very design of the church of God. So we're going to look at each one of these in turn, these three that we're going to focus on today, faith by the same spirit, healing by that one, gifts of healing by that one spirit, and, and another miraculous powers. Uh, and I'll look at each one of those. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to open the floor for you to share testimonies of faith or healing or of miraculous works. I have not prepared this ahead of time. The Lord has made it clear to me I'm not to schedule prearranged testimonies. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for him to speak through you. And if you're online and you have a testimony, you can text it to Jamie, and he will share it with us. But before I do that, let me pray. Lord, you are present here. Lord, you are working in this place. Lord, you are glorious. Father, as we read your word, as we hear your promises, Jesus, as to what you are doing, Lord, we ask that you would grow our faith. We ask that you would release gifts of great faith, that you would release gifts of healing, that you would release miraculous powers through us, Lord. Not so we can get the credit, not so we can look like cool Christians, Lord, but that you can be glorified according to the purposes of your word, according to the purposes of your heart, that you would move through each one who is listening to this message, move through each one uh, who is listening to it online and will listen to the recorded version, that you would have the glory, that you would move freely through a congregation that has surrendered to you in faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And the church agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So the first gift in that passage is the gift of faith. And, of course, we know that faith in Jesus is the only way to salvation. And Paul is writing this letter to the church. So I don't believe that he's referring to... Uh, the gift of faith that anyone has exercised to place their trust in Jesus. I believe he's talking about great faith. I think he's talking about a level of faith that moves beyond uh, the, the trust in salvation into the trust in God working in ways that are above and beyond that individual's capabilities. And so some commentators uh, affirm this. Some Bible translations will say, uh, will say literally uh, greater faith or abundant faith uh, or special faith, just depending on the translations. The, the NIV does not do that. So uh, 
And I want to affirm that none of this happens without faith. None of this happens without faith. So, uh, when Jesus sent the 72 out in Luke chapter 10, and they came back, and they said, even the demons obey us, Jesus said, yes, I saw Satan falling from heaven. Yes, that is exactly what you guys did. You, uh, you walked in my power. But then he says, but don't rejoice because demons obey you. Rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. And so here I think Jesus is uh, affirming the priority of faith, the priority of trusting him, the priority of staking our lives on him, the priority of trusting him with every single situation, every single problem, every single twist in the road, to be people of faith who recognize him as the one with the right arm that will never tire, as the one that will overcome every adversity of the world, as the one who will lead us through suffering and difficulty to to our eternal inheritance. But this faith here is referring to something more, I believe. And he's referring uh, to great faith or to supernatural faith or to extreme faith or to abundant faith. I, I, I don't have the vocabulary for it. But the woman who is bleeding for all those years you know, who essentially works her way through a crowd and does a swan dive to touch the, the edge of Jesus' cloak, believing that he has the power to heal her, and she is healed. The centurion who says, look, my servant is dying, but I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Actually, I'm a military guy. I know about orders and authority, and I tell soldiers to go do this and go do that. And I believe you, Jesus, are the one in supreme authority who tells whoever to go do this and go do that. And I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. So would you just do it remotely, please? <laughs> and he did. And then Jesus said, I've not seen anybody in Israel with faith like this. That's quite a compliment. So that's, that's this, this faith that we're talking about. Uh, Peter, uh, who gets out of the boat and gets on the water. Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, but as far as I know, Peter is the only non-Jesus human being to walk on water. Even though he only took a few steps, he was walking on water. Now you guys who know how to water ski bare feet, uh, don't that doesn't count. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got 150 horsepower pulling you. That doesn't count. I'm talking about walking on water. So this is obviously great faith. You can look at the story of George Muller, who ministered to orphans in England in the late 1800s. Read his biography. You will be super encouraged. In the last 25 years of his life, he read the Bible every three months. He read the Bible 100 times between age 56 and 71, I think, when he died. Uh, he was a man of faith. He would sit with hundreds of orphans at breakfast, no food anywhere, and he would give thanks to God for the food and the breakfast they were about to enjoy without a stitch of food or anything in the house. And the doorbell would ring, and the baker would say, I'm delivering bread for you today. And oh, by the way, the milkman's wagon broke down out here, so he's going to bring in his milk before it goes bad. That happened to George Muller often. This is a person of great faith who is walking by great faith. I, uh, I don't have... Uh, that kind of story but, but my testimony of great faith is uh, I've got two little stories one is uh, the renovations of these buildings that we are responsible for here this building and the chapel down the road in 2007 in January we got a heating bill of $3,600 
and it became obvious that we could not live in these 100-year-old buildings, or at that time, 80-year-old building, much longer. We had to do something about stewardship. And when we started looking into it, it was going to run about four to five million. We didn't really know when we got our first estimate. And our budget as a church, our entire budget as a church in those days was 500,000. And all the experts said, if you get three times your annual budget in a capital campaign, uh, that's considered outstanding. Four times is considered miraculous. So that meant we had a $2 million miraculous budget or maybe one and a half million. We needed to find three or three and a half million dollars. And I just had absolute unshakable faith that God wanted to do that because God wanted a gospel witness in Marymount. God wanted uh, to be uh, king over this village and that that was a challenge. That was the difficulty. And we believed that God was going to move in this. And uh, I went through it. We went through it together as a congregation. On the day that the funds were committed, uh, the congregation gave three and a half times the annual budget, 1.7 million. And then we received three point something million from secular foundations that were interested in historical renovation. And we took that budget and um, we renovated both buildings. And to make sure we didn't go over budget, we decided not to redo the attic, which would have been super expensive. It would have been a cool youth space, but we decided we couldn't afford it. So we had $200,000 left over. And we invested that $200,000, uh, I don't know how many, but we called them Jubilee gifts but we invested in the building campaign of Crossroads, the building campaign of Horizon Church, the building campaign of Sunrise Church, the building of a roof on a church in Hungary, uh, all kinds of projects all over the world. And in that, in that moment when the people counting the pledges came back in, uh, uh, one of the men that was counting the pledges simply said, uh, we are standing on holy ground. And he was shaking because the presence of God had come. And that is, that is the, 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 the example of the times where I feel like I've had the most faith uh, in that. And right now as I speak, I think my faith is beyond that. Beyond that right now for what God is doing in our midst and how hungry you are for more of him and how hungry I am for more of him. And then the second smaller example is uh, we had a, we had a, a break. Uh, I had a break with an assistant pastor here in 2010. And they planted a church also in Marymount called the Village Church. And I had unshakable faith that one day we would be reconciled uh, as brothers in Christ, even though we'd been through the mill together. And uh, that occurred... Uh, about seven years later in 2017 uh, in the restoration of relationship uh, and a co-laboring in the gospel here in the village of Marymount. So that's faith, great faith. These are the kinds of things that God wants to do that seem impossible, that seem way out of reach, that seem way beyond what we can think of right now. So whatever you've got in your life that's going on or whatever testimony you have in this area I'm going to open the floor in a few minutes but let me go on to the second one which is the gifts of healing in the original language this is really uh, the, the charisma of healing it, it's, both are plural the gifts of healings and they, they translate it singular but it, it is plural and this is uh, the, the healing gifts that we see Jesus and the apostles routinely performing whether it is the healing of 10 lepers it is the healing of the man blind from birth the healing of the man lame from birth the deaf mute the one with the withered hand uh, those and the, the miracles of the apostles Jesus knew he had power for that do you know that you have power for that in Christ in Mark 530 he says who touched me I felt power go from me 
And there are, there are times when the gift of healing, we, we sense the faith for healing rising up in us and we sense the power of healing taking place as we pray. Not always, but we do. So uh, in, in Nigeria, uh, several, uh, several years ago, maybe 10 now, we were doing a Jesus film showing in a Dukawa tribal village and the people of the village, the babies of the village, were in respiratory distress, like a number of them, I don't know, 10 or more. And uh, the Jesus film ended, the evangelist spoke in, in their tongue and then invited people to come up and receive healing. And a number of mothers, desperate, no doctor, you're, you're, like, you're like 25 miles from a hospital and the only means of transportation is walking or maybe a motorbike if you're lucky. And we have these desperate moms coming up and we're laying hands on these kids and the, the respiratory distress vanishes on not just one of them, but all of them. And then I had sensed that God wanted to do a healing of, of even other things and uh, specifically was thinking blindness or, or deafness and a young boy of 10 came up and we put his, our fingers in his ears and we asked God to open his ears and he started hearing and started running around the village. Uh, th this, is, this is my testimony. I mean, this is what God can do and what God is willing to do as we pray. The elders of this church have a healing ministry we will gather according to James chapter 5 and we will pray. A couple of years ago, uh, Chris and um, Morgan Brzezinski brought their newborn girl, Ruth. And Ruth was not thriving. She was not thriving in her respiration, in making noise. She was quiet and she was struggling, just not thriving. And we laid hands on her anointed her with oil and asked the Lord to heal her and that was in between services and then they worshipped at the 11 o'clock service and during the 11 o'clock service Ruth Brzezinski started yelling over here yelling that she had received this, this thriving respiratory transformation during that time of prayer and Madison Place Community Church has reported two cases of Lazarus Room Ministry where they minister to heroin addicts where heroin addicts are filled with the Holy Spirit and are detoxed in two or three hours of painless detoxing through the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's gifts of healing that, that have been available. The, the, these ministries have been documented. The one that I think of is John Wimber who prayed for many, 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 many people to be healed of blindness to be healed of deafness, to be healed of all kinds of things. And uh, the ministry of Heidi Baker has documented over 100 cases uh, of people being raised from the dead. So th these, are, these are gifts of healing that are available. Does Jesus heal every time we ask? No. But does he heal? And are we called to persist in the ministry of healing? Yes. Yes, over and over. And third, miraculous powers. Uh, this is literally uh, the word energema, where we get energy, and dunamis, where we get dynamite. So this is the effecting of power. And uh, it can be translated mighty miracles. Uh, it's a caution here. It can also be demonic. Because Jesus in Matthew 7 says, you did all these miracles in my name, but they were not authorized. There, there is a demonic side. There are the possibility of demonic deceptions and demonic miracles. But, and there, there's also the sin of failure to acknowledge miracles. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, woe to you, the towns of Bethsaida, uh, Chorazin and Capernaum because uh, you're going to be worse off than Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment because you refuse to believe the miracles I did in those three towns. So there's a story of a 
cardiologist who was working in Florida and he was told, a believer was told to go pray for a guy who had been dead 45 minutes. And his arms were black and he went into the room before the guy went to the morgue and he prayed for him and he, he woke. He came back to life. On the Channel 7 Miami interview, the doctor gave credit to Jesus. The guy who was raised from the dead literally said it's nice to have a second chance. But no testimony of faith. And we know that of the 10 lepers that were healed, only one came back to say thank you and give credit to God. So miracles are challenging. A lot of people with the gift of miracles become martyrs. It takes a lot of character to carry the gift of miracles. Raising Lazarus from the dead, the widow's son in Nain raised from the dead, the daughter of Jairus uh, raised from the dead, the feeding of the 5,000, the creating of new matter, uh, the turning of water into wine, the transformation and the redoing of chemistry. Uh, these are these works of power that Jesus did, but the, he also makes those available to us as well. My testimony is that uh, a trip to Mexico in our mission trip to the children's home and a new sibling group of three was brought into the home. They'd been in the home for two days on Monday and Tuesday. On Wednesday night, there's worship every Wednesday night. During the worship, these three siblings, I think aged something like five, seven, and 11, were overcome by demonic spirits. They were uh, angry. They were uh, gnashing of teeth. They were floating around on the ground, flopping around on the ground. They hated, these demons hated to be in the presence of Jesus. And so we began to pray. And in the name of Jesus, we drove out these demons. And these three girls, the very next day, were totally healed of whatever trauma. I mean, nobody knew their history. Whatever had gone under the bridge, God healed. And those three girls became believers and became followers of Christ and are still following Christ. So these 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 demonic strongholds, these powers can be overcome by the power of Christ. And so these are, these are kingdom power encounters where the power of the enemy is overcome by the power of Jesus. My last story is from the time where we did the building renovation. We were in this room. It was the first, uh, it was the first, it was the day that we took the, the pledges for the, for the thing, for the renovation. It was September of 2007. And we had counted, we told the church, you know, we got 1.7 million, whatever the number was, and we were celebrating and we were worshiping. And I was sitting at the back in the middle of the worship song and I said, I sensed the Lord saying, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean, Lord? We're giving you honor and glory. He said, why are we doing this? I said, so people can get saved. So we have a witness here in Marymount. Well, you haven't asked anybody to be saved, but there's somebody here today who needs to be saved. And I just thought to myself, what a dummy. So I come up, the band's playing away in the song, and they think I'm out of my mind, right? Stop, stop, stop the music. And I'm, here I am. All right, the Lord has just reminded me of why we're doing all this, and there's somebody, everybody's standing. There's somebody here who needs to give their life to Jesus Christ today, and we haven't given you that opportunity yet today, but I'm giving you that opportunity right now. Silence. Dead silence. 30 seconds. One minute. One and a half minutes. <laughs> click, 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 click. All of a sudden, this lady starts walking up. Her name's Elizabeth Mangan, and I speak to her. Uh, I ask her, what her intentions are. She says, I've been here three weeks. The Lord's been knocking on the door of my heart 
today's the day. I'm yielding to Jesus. So we prayed. Uh, the worship team finished the song, and uh, I turned around and presented the new sister to the brothers and sisters here, and there was everybody went nuts. In fact, I had somebody come up to me after the service and say, you had that all planned out, didn't you? And I said, no, that's terrible. That's manipulative. No, 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 I had no idea until the Lord put it on my heart. The next week she came to church and she looked 10 years younger. Her, her total, her transformation was total. It was absolutely stunning. I consider, I consider that a work of miraculous power. That Jesus in that moment called me to risk looking like, like an idiot and called her that she had to be obedient as well to save her, to take her in an instant from death to life, from eternity separated from Jesus to eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. I consider that to be a, mir a miracle. And, you know, Jesus left the earth. He had 500 believers. He only had 120 of those believers show up to a prayer meeting but he had 500 who believed, who saw him raised from the dead. And now it's possible to have thousands of people coming to Christ because we are faithful with our spiritual gifts and coming and blessing others. So keep asking questions. I'm going to throw this open in a minute. Keep asking questions. Uh, send us in cards. I had a question about... Uh, miraculous powers in 1 Corinthians 12:10 it talks about to another miraculous powers what's the difference between that and healing or prophecy or word of knowledge how do what do miraculous powers look like and i think a good possible way to answer this question is the difference between supernatural and miraculous everything that we're talking about in this series is supernatural but not everything is going to produce awe in people but the miraculous will produce awe in people so Wayne Grudem says it this way a miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself so I don't know how this service is going to end but I'm going to throw it open because I believe God wants to hear some testimonies uh, from his people Tom just, if you wouldn't mind coming up here so people on camera can see you, that would be. That was not a miracle. Um, as Dennis was speaking, um, I don't have miraculous powers, but I, had, I am a function of, of a miracle. When I was 48 years old, I had a heart attack. I woke up in the morning, uh, early 6 o'clock. I had chest pain, heartburn, I thought. Took antacids, got dressed, started to go to work. Um, went, pushed up the button on the garage door to open our garage door. The night before when I came home, the garage door didn't go up. I had to undo it and lift up this heavy wooden door. When I left, I thought, ah, oh, no. So I had to lift up that door, started driving out the street, Chest pain became more intense. I came back home. My wife took me to the life squad. I got to the life squad. I got to the hospital and found out that I had, uh, they found I had a heart attack. They put this drug called TPA. Uh, Curtis will know what that is. It opened up the blood clot, and I was feel like I do now. My wife was able to come back, and um, she said, I said, Jane, you need to do four things. Number one, I want you to go get my Bible. Number two, I want you to call Dan Johns and tell him he's running the business. Number three, call our insurance company. We had just signed for large trust funds for insurance on Thursday. This was a Tuesday. And I said, number four, call overhead door to fix that garage door, because you'll never open it up. <laughs> They moved me to uh, intensive care. My wife came back later that night. I had never seen, we didn't, I, first time I'd ever been in the hospital. Never had seen a cardiologist. The cardiologist was there. It turns out it was Pete Caples, who's a Christian. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, 
He's in there. Jane comes in. She brings the Bible. She puts it down on the, on the bed. And she says, uh, she says, what's wrong with that garage door? I said, Jane, it doesn't work. It didn't open. She said, well, I called overhead door. They came on. They latched the thing up, pushed the button, and it went up. The doctor's hearing this, and he says, tell me that story. I'll tell her what to tell him. He said, had you not had to open up that garage door, push that up, I wouldn't be here today. Because about a three-hour window from the time you have pain until they have to get that drug into you. I had pain about, I woke up at six, that drug went into me at quarter to nine. Fifteen more minutes. My dad died of a heart attack at 42. My grandfather died of a heart attack at 46. And I had a heart attack at 48. But I knew then that God, and, and then, the, then the, the doctor says, Tom, keep reading your Bible because you're not out of the woods yet. And he, was, he prayed for me. And we prayed. And so I, um, my birthday was yesterday. My Bearcats won yesterday. <laughs> There's a bunch of miracles, but I'm 77, Sunset Strip. And uh, as you were telling the story about the heart attack, it, it just said to me, God, and I said to myself afterwards, uh, Jim Holt was our pastor then, and I said, God's kept me here for a reason. And uh, so that's what my goal has been, is to sort out what that reason is. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I just feel convicted to share. I mean, I feel like God is showing me. I've had conversations with Oscar. You saw him in the pictures there. Out of John, you know, just interactions between Jesus and people. And I, and I feel like, you know, people get, you know, kind of guilt trips if their spiritual gift isn't the flashy one where they're kind of, and I'm not speaking against those. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, but in other words, I, I want to free you guys up to be the spiritual gift. I mean, really, you are a spiritual gift if your life is yielded to Jesus, but that, there's a lot to that. And I think, you know, a really rich passage for that is John 4. Because if you watch John 4, he's talking to the Samaritan woman by the well, remember? And Jesus knows a lot about her life that, you know, he's only getting from the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's got miraculous knowledge of her life. So that's clearly part of what's going on. But, part, but, you know, in Luke 5, he also said, you know, which, which is greater, that I say to this guy, your sins are forgiven, or that you're, you, you, know, you're, get up, you know, you're healed, get up and walk. And, and I think he's implying that actually his being forgiven is probably more important. But nonetheless, he says, just so you know that I have authority to forgive sins, get up and walk. And he does, you know. But, but in John 4, you know, the disciples come back and they're well-meaning. They're, they're laboring for Jesus. They're trying to give their gifts to give to Jesus. And he goes, guys, I have food to eat that you know nothing of. You're, you're just off track here because you're not, in, you're not in touch with the Spirit. You don't know what God is doing here. So what you're doing, you're just not, it's not doing anything. It's not making anything happen here. And so, um, and then he, he says to them, you know, you, you say the harvest is coming in four months. I'm telling you it's happening right now. Well, how does Jesus know that? He knows that because this woman in the middle of the Middle East, in the middle of the day, leaves her water pot behind, which would be like you're leaving your smartphone behind. You're, you're just not going to do that, right? So she leaves it behind. So he knows, he sees her. He's there in, in kind of faithful presence in the situation, and he knows that she's coming back. He sees her. He sees what's happening. The disciples are out, out to lunch, you see? So, so the thing is, we need to be in vital connection with Jesus in every moment of our lives and hearing from the Spirit. And that's what allows us to know, I have this opportunity here. And then you see it, you know, and you do something with it. But if, if you didn't see it, you'd just walk right on with your day and nothing would happen. Amen. Got to be observant. Yep. Thank you. Come on up. Yeah, come on up and, yep. Um, I'm Ashley, if you don't know me. Uh, so a couple of years ago, we were studying through David, about David, and we were talking about what are your giants. And for me, my giant was, I know that he can, but I don't know if he will. And at the time, God was also challenging me to have the same level of faith that I have in him for my own struggles, for other people's struggles. 
Um, at the time, my niece was suffering eating disorders and suicide attempts, and I probably spent every day those two years thinking I was going to get the call that she had succeeded. And my faith uh, waxed and waned through that period. Sometimes it was really high, sometimes it was very low, almost non-existent. Um, I prayed like I had never prayed before, and when I couldn't speak words aloud anymore, I wrote them down. And then just when I didn't have words at all, I just cried. And I cried until I was just empty of everything. But at the beginning of this year, she was admitted into a residential stay at a mental health hospital. And now she's making plans for her future. She's driving, and she's 15. So this was started when she was 13 years old. And now I... I see the healing that has taken place in her, and I see what's continuing to take place. And for that, I can never stop praising him. Woo! Thank you. Mm -hmm. By the way, this morning as we were praying, uh, there was a word given that the Lord wants to heal somebody with long-term depression someone that is really struggling and is just ready uh, ready to be have that lifted off of them and also someone with a sore left knee and in a few minutes we're going to have I'm going to have Ashley come up and I'm going to have Curtis come up and I'm going to have Tom where did Tom go? He had to go, go. alright well uh, so I've got time for one or two more Sherry and is anybody else just Put your hand up if you... Okay, Julie. All right. Okay, this is what the Lord laid on my heart to share, and it's from several years back, um, 2014. We'd been here at Marymount about a year at that point, and I was having problems with both knees. Some of you might remember. I was wearing brace, knee braces on both knees, and also with both thumbs. That had been diagnosed as severe arthritis, and the only... Remedy for that was this barbaric surgery that I won't even share the details with. I mean, I automatically, leaving that surgeon's office, I knew we weren't going there. I was, okay, God, I'm on whatever you want to do, but that's not it. I knew that wasn't it. The knees, uh, I was scheduled for surgery on the left because that's where a tear was, but literally going in, I'm thinking, I'm coming out of this. I won't be able to walk on the left knee. I'm having problems with the right knee that I can't really walk on it very well, and I can't use crutches. How are you going to do this, Lord? And the second piece with the surgery was I had had four um, dental orthodontic surgeries when I was between the ages of nine and about 16, and I had been put under four times, and I swore I would never allow that. I would never let that happen to me again. Now, you vow things like that as a kid, right? Um, But here I am, 46 40, not 46, whatever I was in 14, 2014, older than 46, um, 54 years old, thinking, I'm about to be put under, and I don't want to do this, but I got to do it. So I, I had people pray for me on the knees, about the knees and the hands and the surgery. By the time I got to the procedure day, I had total peace about, about being put under. I knew God had it, whatever happened, was good. The hands hadn't started improving yet. The knees were still the problem. I came out of that surgery, and literally that day, uh, I couldn't even use a walker. I couldn't use anything where I had to press my hands down. I was able to walk on the right knee. There was no pain in the right knee. So I came out of surgery with one knee getting healed because of the surgery, and the other one just healed. The hands have never been completely healed. But oh my, they're a lot better. Light years better than they were. I'm able to, if I had to use crutches today, I could do it. So I got a, um, I'm going to call it a, a healing from trauma in that, as well as the physical healing, some of which used medicine, modern medicine, and some of it was just God going, all right, this is done. This is done. So Amen. praise God to his glory. Thank you. Thank you.
wor worship team, worship team, do you guys want to come up? Yeah. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I, um, I wanted to have a baby. I was trying to have a baby. It was um, a couple years we were trying. And um, I was a brand new Christian, and I didn't know anything about praying for miracles. Or um, I got in my first Bible study um, group, and I just happened to mention that I had been trying to have a baby and couldn't. And this woman said, well, you silly, why didn't you tell us we would pray for you? And um, I said, well, okay. So she said, when this is over, we'll all pray for you. And I said, okay. I had no idea. I thought, yeah, that's fine. But anyway, we were in a circle, and we were holding hands, and they were all praying in their various ways. And um, I don't know what it was, but I felt like the biggest water spigot was coming through me. I was bawling my eyeballs out. Um, I walked out of there. I felt like I was walking off the floor. And um, the next day, I know, I conceived. So that's it. Mm. Wow. 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 So we're going to close uh, our time right now. But I, I would just like to invite those that would like to pray for others to have great faith or healing in their life, or if you need a miracle, um, then uh, if those who would come up would want to pray for people, and those who would come up who want that, and then we will pray for you while the band closes us with uh, one more song. Uh, we'll just have a time of prayer, and um, then I'll, uh, I'll release you. <laughs>